Welcome to the Hill Pursuit Podcast, where we talk about training and life. Enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us. Today is March 8th, and this is episode 13 of the Hill Pursuit Podcast. Mitch, what's up? Not much, man. Cruising right along here. Um, <laughs> it's good. It's nice out down where I'm at. Oh, yeah. It's gorgeous here, too. It's gorgeous. Is it? Yeah. Sweet. Sweet. You have a good weekend? Yeah. yeah, it was. It was a really good weekend. Um, coming off the sniffles, so, you know, still still, um, still getting my training in and just not not destroying myself these last couple of days. But, yeah, we, we had our oldest back in – back in daycare last week so she came home with with the sniffles per usual at daycare and um, not the vid everyone <laughs> yeah and um i'm with the oldest more than our our newborn so um just because my wife is with uh, the youngest most often so anyway um naturally i got the sniffles as well but um yeah, we'll talk about how that's affected some things in a little bit here. But anyways, thanks for uh, listening. If you are following along, uh, episode 13, um, just real quick, all the things for you here. If you want to follow us on uh, social media, find us on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Hill Pursuit. Shoot us an email at hillpursuit at gmail.com. And of course, we have our daily blog and access to the podcast on our website, uh, hillpursuit.com. Um, you'll find that daily blog where we kind of just chat about our training, what's going on in our life, um, and maybe some, some lessons learned along the way. Hope, hopefully that is something that you guys see, you know, view as a resource and, you know, can reference and, and learn some things here and there and, and apply it to your own life or maybe your training. So anyway, check us out, send us an email, send us some notes, like subscribe, do all that fun stuff. And uh, hopefully we can get a conversation going. We would love to love to do that with you. But um, anyway, yeah, let's let's start off like we normally do. Mitch, what are you doing for training lately? Any fun ones? Um, you know, I'm in my last my third week of this this four week uh, four week I guess block, what have you. And it's going well. I had to end up pushing it back. I worked the long weekend and. And this is a cool topic that I think it's kind of what we're going to talk about today. It's some people can say like today, no matter what I'm going to train, but then life totally will throw you in another direction. And, and it's like, where, where is it being, where's the discipline coming in that, oh, I said I was going to train today, no matter what, or are you better off pushing it back a day and you might get more out of the training. And I kind of, that hit me on Saturday night. So I ended up, coming home, got home late Saturday night. Every day from work this week, I got home a little later than normal. So I ended up actually falling asleep with my wife for like an hour, just on the sofa or whatever. And um, I had in mind that I wanted to train. So I was like, I had to work the next day, like be up at like 4.30. So I get up at, I got up at like 9.30 and I stroked out a uh, overhead press session real quick and did some pause squats. It did not feel... It did not feel fantastic, but it definitely went okay. I was pleased with how it how it felt. So I have one more um, have a deadlift session. Like to last night, I got home. I got home super late. I was held over like four hours. And I'm not saying all all the work. I'm just trying to relate this to training. You know, like I could have went into this gym last night when I got home, but I was feeling I was beat. 
And I was like, well, I'll get some sleep tonight and I will crush my, it's my last session that I really get to have fun smoking it before I go into my dealer week. So I'll get some sleep tonight and I will get up tomorrow and during the day I will crush my deadlift because I really want to push the deadlift. So I want to hit it while I'm feeling good. So um, do you have any, do you, do you see what I'm trying to say there? It's like, oh, like when you say, like, oh, no matter what, I'm going to train today, no matter what happens. And then it's like something in your life comes up totally unexpected. Um, is that something that floats around your head? I mean, absolutely. I think that's, I think that's, you know, that's why we're going to talk about, um, you know, essentially just being comfortable when you're uncomfortable or, you know, making an accommodation when things aren't perfect, you know, um, and like you said, I mean, it just happened for you. It's happening for me. Um, you know, the last couple of days with me having the sniffles literally yesterday. So today's Monday, today's a Monday. Yesterday, Sunday was my final um, training session before starting a deload week today. My first deload week of my Ironman program. So I'm literally, you know, the night before. So Saturday night. I slept horribly because I essentially wasn't able to breathe because I, you know, was just a little congested and, um, you know, I'm up every hour or whatever. I ended up sleeping on the couch so I wouldn't wake up my, um, <laughs> my three month old, uh, just with like the, the constant sniffling and moving around, whatever. So I, I slept horribly, but I told my, I told my wife, I'm like, look, this is the last session that I have before dropping volume and intensity for a week i've been so consistent for five weeks yes i'm going to do this run i don't need it to be perfect i don't care but mentally i'm just gonna do it because i'm uncomfortable right now i'm not 100 percent. i'm not feeling great but you know what i don't need this to be a perfect session but Mm -hmm. i'm just gonna do it because there's, there's a little bit of a mental victory in that, um, you know, finishing, I, I think, honestly, I'm not hundred percent sure. I think it's been five weeks exactly. And I'm in week six, which is my first deload week. I'm literally like saying to myself yesterday, I haven't missed a single session this entire five weeks and I'm not dead or dying. I'm going to go run. <laughs> like I'm yeah. going to go do the workout. I don't need it to be perfect. You know, I'm uncomfortable right now, but I'm just going to make do with how my body is. Get this in. I'm not going to overstress myself like we talked about, you know, when is too much too much. But, um, you know, building on that principle, I didn't make I didn't make yesterday's run too much. I kept it easy. Um, I got it in. So I had a little bit of a mental victory. I didn't do any physical damage or anything to myself. And I'm feeling a lot better this morning. So, um, yeah, I'm glad I did it. And I think it's a very relevant topic in terms of how to how to become or how to feel comfortable when you're uncomfortable, because I think a lot of people kind of a lot of people flirt with that line of comfortable and uncomfortable. And the second that they feel uncomfortable, they just they, they just avoid whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. you know, apply that to training, apply that to life, whatever you want to talk about. But I, I feel like truly getting uncomfortable in training is, is pretty difficult. 
And there's a few moments where, you know, over the course of your training career, where maybe we, we can reference, you know, I was truly uncomfortable in that moment. And here's what I learned. And, you know, next time I'm, next time I'm there, I will know what it's like to be there and I'll have a new mm-hmm. bar to set. You know what I mean? But, um, mm-hmm. I just feel like for the people who, um, you know, they don't run outside unless it's 55 degrees, sunny and, you know, this dew point, what, you know, whatever, you know, 40% humidity, whatever. Um, It's, that's just not life. That's not how it works. So, you know, you're never going to have the most perfect scenario for training. Exactly. I mean, kind of like what you said last week, when we talked about um, when's too much, too much, you know, you're never going to be a hundred percent for every session. Saturday Saturday night, I was by far 100%. You know, I, I willed myself out there. Exactly. Exactly. But you still did it. You were, you know, if, if we're going to reference a hundred percent as quote unquote comfortable, then you were uncomfortable on Saturday. You still did a session. You didn't, you didn't destroy yourself, but you got through your session and you were comfortable with that, that Mm -hmm. level of intensity or, you know, um, volume that, that you gave yourself, you got through it. Right. And, I think they're, you know, not, not that that's like the hardest session you've ever done. I'm, I'm sure it's not, but um, there are moments, there are moments when you, you know, you're in a war, you know, you're facing something that maybe you've never faced before. And I think it's, I think it's worth discussing those moments um, a little bit, just to kind of, yeah. just kind of shed some light on what's, what's happening mentally and, and, I guess just that process. So I don't know, have you ever felt, you know, do you have a time where you felt like, um, holy crap, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. How am I going to, how am I going to get out of this or, or move forward or, or anything in terms of training or life or whatever? Oh, for sure. Um, first off, I think this is an awesome topic. I love, I'm not a psychologist. You're not a psychologist, Um, but it is, I think this is an awesome topic. I think whether you're, whether you dabble in that, I think the mental aspect of just life in general is incredible. And that, I think ultimately that is what's going to, that is good. You could be the, if from the neck down, you could be an absolute stud, but if you don't have it together up top, you could totally, totally dwindle away. And I think they build each other. I think the mental builds the physical and the physical can build the mental. And that's why I absolutely, and I am not an expert. I am not the most success, successful human being in the world. So I, like when we talk about this, I don't want to think like, oh, I'm coming down on anyone or I'm putting myself on a pedestal because, I, but I am willing to learn and I do try every day. Like I fail every day. And that's like, that's part of the fight too, is like, hey, I failed today. And it's, what are you going to do from there to keep pushing forward? And you asked me like, do you have I, what's like the most significant thing that I've ever, ever felt? trying to think of one pinpoint i mean i had uh it was more of a uh wasn't one specific aspect of my life and i don't think i want to talk about it right now on the podcast but um i think we'll we'll save that for for a time it was just uh i got i was in wrestling it started out like my junior year high school um i got real real over the top with like training and, and food and kind of went down probably probably a counterproductive path of uh training and and eating trying to eat right and um trying i was trying to be the best that i could but it was actually probably taking more out of my performance than anything so trying to fight 
get back and get back on the uh that, that was a that was a more of a long-term battle it wasn't one specific but uh that was a long-term battle that i had to get back on track and and learn what was what was appropriate again and what was too far-fetched so that was and like i said i'm not going to talk about that right now i want to have a probably a good podcast about that or blog or what have you but um but definitely i could take isolated moments too like i'll never forget there was a wrestling match and it was like I was, I think I was up three to two and it was like the final period. And I was, I don't know, we might've went into overtime and I was absolutely tanked and um, I was gassed. Yeah. I think it was, a, I can't remember. I think it was overtime. It wasn't three to two. I think we were tied up. We're dating back here. Wow. And my, I will never forget my forearms felt like balloons, man. And um, if you guys are familiar with wrestling, I did not like top. I was not very good at it. I, I was a neutral guy. And I remember I was like, the I had to hold this kid down. And I remember looking at the clock. It was like a minute. Like, oh, man, I am toast. So um, how am I going to hold this kid down? And um, lo and behold, I don't know how I did it. I think I just, I, it was again, willed my way to pulling this kid down. And he was, he was no joke either. So um, that, again, that's probably when I felt like, man, like this is either, you can either totally just quit here and just you let this kid up or you can at least, tap into where you're feeling uncomfortable and hope it works out. And that's what we did. And that time it worked out and it, there's times it doesn't work out too, but that's all part of the fight. Like you said. Yeah. I think it's kind of an ironic. You just shared a, a wrestling story because that's one of mine also in terms of, no doubt. No doubt. and it's probably more so for me because I was not a good wrestler, like at all. Um, mm -hmm it was something I did just to kind of essentially just like test my own athleticism. And so I, I played around with it a little bit just for a couple of years, but the first match that I ever wrestled. So I never wrestled as like a youth or like a, a young kid. I only picked it up like late, late high school. Just, okay, I got you. just, yeah. Just like for fun on, honestly, just, you know, I felt like an athlete and wanted to try something new. So, um, the first ever, not even practice, like real match that I was in was a tournament. Um, and I was terrible. And I went, I went the distance with this kid and ended up pinning him literally with like 10 seconds left in, in the entire match. And I was so dead. Like I had yeah. no clue of what it actually took to wrestle for six minutes and and like I went the distance and you know this kid was also terrible so like me pinning him I'm not like bragging at all I'm literally just saying the match ended like literally 10 seconds or five seconds before the entire six minutes anyway and I was so exhausted I had no clue how I was gonna wrestle again like later in the day mm -hmm. uh, I don't even remember what happened later in the day but um that first match, yeah, I, I had never, never felt that horrible before in my life. And we've had some ridiculous practices, you know, but until you're, you know, mano y mano, one versus one, you know, best man comes out alive kind of scenario, it's just not the same. It's not the same. Yeah. You know, a coach can beat you up in a practice for two or three hours and it can feel really terrible, but until you have someone, you know, what's that, what's that saying? You know, 
everybody's everybody's ready until they get punched in the face and then and then it's how you respond and you know, you know who said that tyson right oh uh, yeah exactly everyone's got a plan until they get punched plan. in the face everyone's yeah. got a plan that's what it is until you get punched in the face and you know it doesn't matter what you do in practice it's it's like um <laughs> once you get hit no, in the face it, it's it a whole new world yeah, correct. And but I think like you said, your coach did smoke you in practice, and that, and I think those those times are important too. So and, um, I guess I mean more so for fitness purposes. Like I got you. Okay, I, have, I got you. I have a triathlon example of that too. But um, for fitness, absolutely, like practice, a hundred percent matters. What I mean is is more so the the one versus one, you know not a simulated match, uh, you know, a real match where, you know, someone's not trying to punch you, I guess, in wrestling, but, you know, they're trying to end the match as quickly as they can. And, uh, you know, you're doing the same for me being inexperienced with wrestling. That was probably the first hardest moment that I've ever experienced where I was like, okay, I might be fit, but this is a whole new level. It's a whole new level. And I've never experienced this before. You know, how can I better prepare myself for next time, you know, or, or something harder or, you know, whatever down the road. And as I'm saying this, I have a, a triathlon example. My, my first triathlon I ever did was last September. So not September 20, sorry. Yeah. Not September 20, but September of 2019 was my first. So um, you know, whatever that is one and a half years ago at this point. And I trained in the pool often two to three days a week for, for someone who couldn't swim going from zero days a week to two or three days a week, maybe four was a lot, a heck of a lot for me. So I'm like, Oh man, I'm feeling great. There's your practice example, right? You're, yeah. you're gaining fitness, but you're not really gaining that real life scenario. So I'm swimming in the pool thinking, oh man, I'm awesome. I'm ready to go. I get in that open water and we've talked about this, so I don't need to dive into it, but get in the open water and it's just like, boom, punched in the face immediately. And, you know, I'm like, oh sweet. I'm going to swim this in in 16 minutes or 17 minutes punched in the face. What are you going to do? You know, plan is out the window. Now it's like drown survive or or like what are you gonna do so um that's just another one that i i literally felt um i felt when i was in the open water and in a race for the first time and i was it was a whole new world of um heart rate is ridiculously elevated i'm i'm 200 meters into an 800 meter swim i gotta pull this together you know because one I don't want to die Two, I don't want to quit. And then three, I want to do well, you know, I want to compete. So with myself compete with myself. So, you know, there, there's a lot to learn in those moments. It's like, you know, you have to, you have to experience those in order to have any type of comfortability with something like that. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to put this to hunting, but first I want to say like, I love the sport of wrestling. I love, um, don't get me wrong. I, I think team sports are awesome. I think you learn a lot from team sports like football, what have you, but you can look at 10 other guys. And I mean, you still have to hold your one out of 11, 
But I mean, when you step on a mat or you, there is only one person and it is just, it is humbling. Like if you get stacked and you, there, there is no, there's no more rewarding feeling than winning or, and there is no more humbling experience than losing in that. Quick jump in as yeah. someone who like barely ever wrestled for literally only a couple of years, I, I completely agree. Like it's something that looking back, I wish that I did since I was like five years old. Me too. Um, I only I only started in middle school. I wish I would have, and like I said, I had some stuff come up in college. I wish it would have worked out all the way through college. I hate to constantly talk about like your high school days, because but that's where I, I learned a lot then, you know, and I yeah, grew a yeah. lot. I, I grew a lot since then, and that's why I think it's that's why I I can think it's still because I've changed so much and became stronger since those years. And um, that's why I date back. But let's let me jump into hunting and you say about growing and stuff. So this is where, like you say, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And this is more of a mental aspect. Right. So I started hunting as soon as I could. Pennsylvania, you have to be 12. Right. So I grew up. My dad always hunted. And uh, we're we do a lot of archery hunting. So, you know, when I was 12, man, I tell you what, I probably have more arrows in our woods than like Robin Hood, man. I tell you what, I would see an animal, I would draw my bow back, and that arrow would just go sailing over like the deer's back or whatever, right? And I will never forget. I was I was young. I might have been 13. I was sitting by myself and I had this big buck come up and I was like shooting like an old Hoyt. And um I was like it was like 11:45 in the afternoon and my dad usually back then he would like walk down for me around noon 12:30 like I was like playing you know I didn't have an attention span back then I was like playing with a string on my tree stand or something and I look up and there is just this bruiser like 10 yards away man and I go to draw I stand up I draw back and I had glove I had a glove on at that point and I was shooting a, a finger release and my glove bumped my finger release and I shot right under the uh right under the buck's shoulder blade totally missed him dude he goes like sailing like 40 yards like just he knew he knew something was wrong and like looks back at me dude I was so devastated and I would always rush my shots like I would draw back shoot and like as I got more comfortable like Mitch like what are you doing like take your time and that's where it's uncomfortable because all you want to do is draw back get it done and one I I had a bear that I ended up shooting in Canada and with the bow and it this is when it started to click I had it the bear walked out and I I drew back I'm like I started rehearsing yes I I target shoot a lot when when we know we're going to have a hunt but like you said practice is practice correct so yeah yeah, and I'll never forget I had a bear walk out man so I would constantly rehearse like oh when and this is like the point where I became a a better hunter I'm not anyone to brag about but I just try to get better on my own you know compete with myself it's like I need to draw back at the best time I can't mentally rehearsing like when am I going to draw like stay on the bear and then when am I going to shoot like it doesn't have to be see the bear draw shoot so I ended up figuring out taking my time Killed that killed that bear. Luckily, one one shot, and then probably I've killed some deer, bear up until this point. And then this past hunting season is probably the best example that I could have, where I had seen a deer about three thirty in the afternoon, and I just get in my stand, and this buck comes lays down about fifty yards from me. I stand up, 
I watched this thing till 5.30 in the afternoon, just standing up. I already knocked, I already had an arrow knocked. They had my release on my bow. And um, I literally watched this deer for two hours and didn't move. I'm like, I, I seen this deer two days ago in yeah. the afternoon yeah. and he busted me. So I'm like, no matter what, I'm I'm going to try to kill this thing tonight. And that's and that's that's the that's the unique thing about hunting. You're not in it for, I guess you to me it's ultimately like you're getting the meat. Like that's first and foremost. But then it's so much more than that. It's you no, know, I seen that deer sleep. I seen how that deer reacted to dogs barking. I seen how that deer reacted to a plane flying over. Like where else do you get to see that? Yeah, like, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Like it, it's it's incredible so like 5 30 comes around man and i'm like texting my dad i'm like dad this thing is like that's the only movement i did i'm like dad this deer's not moving and um and he's like he's like you have your grunt tube on you i'm like i don't i forgot it so he's like i'm like dad it's it's we're losing light here so i gave like one pitch effort man and i just started doing all these random deer calls with my mouth like i started grunting like doing bleak snort wheezes dude this thing stands up I'm like oh here we go i keep going keep giving it like i give it two more like little sequences he comes in on a string like 12 yards away i go again here here's like another another thing i could have did i could have drew back right away because he went to he went to eat a tree about 12 yards away and like looked up in my direction and i went to draw back and he like looked at me so like back when i was younger i probably would have just drew and tried to shoot yeah. but i just stopped didn't look at him he kind of like, all right, and just kept, he then he just kept grazing. That's when I let him wait for him, put his head behind the tree again, finished my draw, turned, shot. Luckily, he went like 70 yards, ended up dying. But rewind 10 years ago, dude, it would have been such a different story. I probably would have rushed, probably would have flung an arrow over his head. Um, and it's just that growing, dude, that I've done just in the woods is that's that's what it's about, dude, is learning to be uncomfortable in those like stressful times. And it's fun, it's rewarding. Yeah, that's an awesome story. I mean, that is that's so true. And uh, like I, I have another example too, but I did go shooting this past weekend, so I'll just kind of relate that to what I was doing with one of my buddies. But um yeah, like you talk about when you were a kid, how you would have just hastily just drew back and and let it rip you know no <laughs> you know and um we get to the range this past weekend and basically the same thing like like you were saying except of course they weren't little kids but there were another couple groups um at the range and they're just in, in there you know unloading their entire mag as fast as they can and and my buddy literally <laughs> pulls me aside and I have to give him credit because I'm still getting comfortable with my own firearm. And he's like a really good teacher and he's really helping me out and helping me get comfortable. And, um, so if he's, I don't know if he listens, but Mark, thanks. You're doing a great job helping me out. But, um, <laughs> anyway, um, so he almost like smiles at me. He's like, there is no point to, to unloading your entire mag as fast as you can when you're in here, just, mm -hmm. just relax. And he's like giving me drills to do too. We had a couple different targets and he's actually helping me get comfortable and more proficient, you know, with my mm -hmm. firearm. So anyway, I, th it relates to that too, because for me being new to firearms in general, you know, it, there's your high heart rate in itself. And, you know, instead of just, 
unloading a magazine as fast as you can, you know, getting comfortable doing some drills, you know, working on your proficiency and stuff, I think is important. But anyway, so another example that I have um, is running a couple marathons. And in terms of, you know, we've been talking about more of a mental uncomfortability. I guess the wrestling examples were definitely physical um, uncomfortability, but for the marathon, it was definitely both for me. So the first time I ever train did a training run of over 20 miles, it was like 20 or 21 miles I did. I questioned if I could ever even complete a marathon. And Mm -hmm. I remember running that run and I just did it on a a local trail by my house. It was like two miles to get to the trail. And then I stayed on the trail just like a halfway out and back 20 or 21 miles. And um, there's this massive hill at the bottom of my house, bottom of like one of my main streets. So I planned the run to be done at the bottom of the hill. So I wouldn't have to run up the hill. Ironically, that was, you know, what, four some years ago. ironically now I always plan my runs to end at the top of that hill. So first and foremost, that's a mental victory in itself. I think is, is, um, you know, how I, how I just approach finishing a long run or a difficult run. You know, it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. And I intentionally plan for it to be at the end now. So anyway, um, so I'm doing my first ever 20 plus, um, run and, I, I get to the end and I finish at the end and I am dead. I did not plan my fuel appropriately. I didn't plan my pace appropriately. I had no clue what I was doing. I just went out and tried to run 20 some miles, 20, 20 and a half or whatever. And my wife drives by me up this hill as I am like crippled walking up this hill and I'm going like this. And if, if you're listening, I'm waving two hands above my head right now. I'm doing this to my <laughs> wife. I'm doing this to my wife as she's driving past me. And she smiles and waves just like, hi, honey. How you doing? Just keeps on driving right up the hill. I'm like dead, hoping that uh-huh. she'll stop and pick me up. But I'll never forget that moment, first of all, because it was just funny with my wife. But I'll also never forget that run because there's a lot of different variables that go, that go into play here. Right. So there's, there's sleep, there's recovery, there's fueling, there's life stress, mental stress. Um, are you sore before the run, all this stuff. And for this run, I was drained. I I literally felt like I ran 50 miles and I'm, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, how am I going to run a full marathon in two weeks or a week and a half or whatever it was. And you know, I think you learn from those moments. You learn a lot. You learn um, how important it is to sleep and recover. Um, you learn that life stress needs to be as minimal as possible. Of course, there's always going to be stuff you can't control. But and then on top of that, you learn how your body needs fuel throughout to fuel like a three, four, five hour trek, run, hike, whatever. And um I learned a lot from that, from that run, the marathon itself, which was two weeks later. I also, it was the first time I had crossed over that 
20 plus, you know, I think I actually ended that training run right at 20 miles. So this marathon was the first time I crossed over that barrier and it wasn't just a little bit, you know, I had another 10 K on top of the marathon. So I remember finishing that marathon and telling my, I had, my parents were there and my wife was there telling them immediately, I'm never doing this again because it was so difficult. And I was miserable and I, I could barely walk at the end and I was hyponatremic and I was shivering. My lips and fingers were blue, like didn't fuel pr- appropriately. You know, let me just say 20 miles is not the same as 26.2 miles. So, you know, there's a whole new world that need that, that you're going to experience. If you're someone who does train for endurance sport, it's great if you can get to 20, but uh, it's a whole, it's just a whole new world. And there's, there's a huge mental victory at finally completing a full marathon that kind of, so there's that, there's that, um, new level of comfortability with uncomfortability. So you complete the marathon, you hate your life. I hated it. I wasn't, I didn't feel like I, you know, I didn't feel like I completed it well. Um, I wasn't as fast as I wanted. I didn't feel properly. I felt sick, all this stuff. Next time you're there, you make a change. So that doesn't happen. Right. So, um, I remember, like I said, I wanted to, to never do that again. And then um, as soon as I could register for that same race again, I registered. And I told myself, you know what, I'm not going to, that's not going to be my marathon. You know, that's not going to be like my yeah. marathon story. Like I'm going to eventually get good at this to the point where I'm comfortable with it. And I can not only finish it, but I can compete with myself and, yeah you know, have that level of comfortability. So I improved a little bit the following year, honestly, only by a a very little bit, but in terms of my comfortability, I was a lot more comfortable throughout the entire race. And this is the Pittsburgh marathon, by the way. So it's just kind of something I do because we live close. It's, it's a fun race. I like the city and, um, it's easy for easily accessible for me. So I ended up doing another one, um, it was virtual because of COVID. I did another one uh, this past season and crushed my time. And um, it got to the point where I was running negative splits at the end of a marathon, which is very rare. Um, Not that I'm like a super fast marathoner. I am absolutely not. But ideally, whether you're running a four hour or a two hour marathon or a three hour marathon, you want to try to get a little faster. Like that's the, the idea is, you know, you, you can hopefully run negative splits throughout the entire thing or start consistent and throw in some negative splits towards the end, which essentially just means faster miles as mm-hmm. you're approaching the end. So okay. I was able to do that. And if you're able to do that, that's a victory in itself. So I was running close to nine minute miles at the very end to take my overall t- to continue to drop my overall pace And that felt like a mental victory to me. You know, like I said, I didn't like break of the four hour barrier yet. And I know I will soon, but I didn't like set a a massive record or anything. It was my best marathon, but it was also my most intelligent marathon. It showed that I learned a lot from those previous experiences and, you know, I adapted and I, I slept well, I, I fueled well, I made sure I was recovered, all this stuff 
and um, you know, it paid off. So I don't think you really know what you're capable of until you feel those moments of uncomfortability where you're to the point where you want to just drop everything and quit to the point where maybe you can't take another step or you're having trouble breathing or your forearms feel like balloons, right? You're not going to know how you can really become better until you feel those moments. And I think a lot of people, I really, I truly believe that a lot of people say the, the, the phrase, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I think a lot of people say that, but I don't know if a lot of people really experience that. And yeah, I I like, I would, I would just encourage people to try to get there. This is not something you get to. It's not a place you go to on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, or even on a monthly basis. But when you have your opportunity to really push your own limit, you have, you have to take that opportunity and do it. You know, um, if you're throwing yourself into a race, try your best to get to that level of uncomfortability. Otherwise you're not going to learn anything and you're, you're not going to improve. Um, you know, you might improve, but you're not going to improve, you know, exponentially or, or, you know, learn, learn lessons to apply to training next time around or anything like that. I really just, I really feel like it's, it's a common statement, but it's not a common feeling that people truly experience. What do you think? Yeah, we're going on a little and I, I, that's why I love this topic. I could probably talk about it for hours, but you say you don't feel it commonly. I think I'm going to disagree a little. I think you can, because how many, and this is what I love about it. And how many like small decisions in a day do you make like that are work life where you make the decision that's comfortable or you make the decision that's uncomfortable. And that's the cool part. Like, Hey, I have a, uh, I know I have to have this done by the end of the day. And it's like, are you going to make that small decision that, Hey, it might take me an extra hour that I have to stay after work to get this done, but I know it has to be done or, Hey, no, it can wait till tomorrow. And that's like, if you just think about that on a daily level, like making that small decision the right way over a course of time, like that's going to make you stronger. And man, like I said, I fail every every day at making those small decisions at something and i think we all do and that's and that's like that's where you have to monitor yourself and i think that's where if you keep making that right decision and if you wake up every day and monitor yourself and hey these, these little decisions all add up and when you do fail like it's okay like we all do it's how are you going to react are you going to totally tank your day like if something happens at noon are you just going to my day shot or is, Hey, we're going to, we're going to dust ourselves off and we're going to, we're going to keep pushing forward and try to make the most out of the day. Because if you let that go one day and it just keeps turning over and that's, that's when you, I think go down a bad path. And um, I think just like mental, mental toughness. And that's like, that's a kind of, Hey, are you born with it? Are you, can you develop it? I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not going to argue with it. For me, it has gotten stronger. So maybe you can grow it. Um, but whether you start giving in or pushing back, I think over a course of time, that's going to dictate where, where your own personal path will lead. And that's why it's fun, man. It's a, like you said, I think you nailed it. You said it's like a constant war. It is. It's a long term thing. It's not, it's not one day and you're done. So I think we hit some, like I said, I could go about this all day. It's fun to talk yeah. about. But 
Yeah, I love that though. I mean, we do, we are we're faced with decisions on a daily basis where we can take the easy way out and um, you know avoid the paperwork, and then it just stacks up into tomorrow. Or you can you know make the harder decision to make yourself a little uncomfortable, throw your routine off a little bit for the day, but it keeps you more productive in terms of your work and in terms of your life, uh, you know, the next day and the next day and the next day. So, you know, snowball those positive decisions, um, even though they might be uncomfortable, but snowball those decisions into, you know, hopefully developing a positive routine, right? Yeah. And like what, what helps me is like, say, say I, I have a decision and say it's something tough. Like, Hey, this is, this is going to extend longer than I'd like it to, or, you know, I, I don't want to do this. This is, this isn't going to be fun. You know, things aren't going to be fun. Sometimes some things, sometimes things just need to get done. They're not exciting. They're not flashy whatsoever. It's like, how are you going to feel if you don't do that? And if, if I don't do something, I hate that feeling. Like mm-hmm. I just, mm-hmm. I gave in there. And that's what, before that decision is made, whether I do it or not, I think that feeling of regret sucks, you know, and uh, I don't, I don't want to have that, but I mean, it does happen and it's, it's going to happen for the rest forever. So it's just how minimal can you make them? Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, we're, we're definitely not perfect. We're not going to make the right decision every time, but, you know, mm-hmm. start to start to make those small decisions and start to experience those things in training and, hopefully we can, um, you know, start to get a little bit more comfortable with being uncomfortable. Right. So, um, anyways, let's, uh, let's wrap that up for today. So thank you guys for listening. This was episode 13 of the Hill Pursuit podcast. Find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram at Hill Pursuit, send us an email at hillpursuit at gmail.com. Follow along with the blog, um, on hillpursuit.com where we discuss our training, discuss, Um, some life lessons, a little bit of everything, daily blog. It's also on our social media. And of course, you can like, subscribe and find the podcast links on the website as well. What else you got, Mitch? Anything? Have a good Monday. Yeah, cool. Thanks for listening, guys.